The following program is sponsored by Evangelical Life Ministries. Welcome to Liberty Action Alert with Greg Seltz. Sponsored by our friends at the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty here in Washington, D.C. A program that cuts through the chaos and confusion in the culture today by talking to kingdom citizenship, bold biblical principles for a robust public Christian life. And now your host, Dr. Greg Seltz. Today's program, it's a little different. Hello, I'm Dr. Marie Seltz, and I welcome you to this very special episode of the Liberty Action Alert. What's special, you ask? Well, besides my voice, you'll hear an old sermon from the Lutheran Hour in 1941, which demonstrates how good preaching engages the culture for the sake of the culture and the mission of the church. So Liberty Action Alert presents the first half of a sermon delivered during World War II by Dr. Walter A. Meyer. Dr. Meyer was an author, university professor, and theologian, a scholar of ancient Semitic languages and culture. Meyer served as the first speaker of the Lutheran Hour radio broadcast from 1930 to 1950. Presented in two parts, today's program, Part 1, addresses the culture. In the second part, next week, Meyer points us to the gospel, God's ultimate solution to the issues we face. Though Meyer was addressing an audience regarding occurrences, concerns, and threats to our nation in the year 1941, we are certain you will find relevance and applicability to issues affecting and afflicting us today. Dr. Meyer conveys that though there are destructive outside enemy forces that may attack our country and its people, there are destructive enemy forces and threats within that harm, plunder, and destroy. Consider the following similarities from 1941 and today. 1941 saw concerns regarding the education of our youth. Today, we have concerns about the sexualization of our youth in education and the disempowerment of parents regarding the curriculum and treatment of their children once they enter school grounds. Where once education recognized sin, it now indoctrinates our children to sin. 1941 saw concerns regarding broken families and immorality. Today, we have the same concerns. Dr. Meyer's sermon discusses how infidelity, impurity, and divorce have divided families and chips at our moral foundations. 1941 saw concerns regarding lack of faith and belief in God in unfaithful churches. Today, we have the same concerns as churches go woke and follow politically correct trends and social dictates that do not align with God's word as given to us in the Holy Scriptures. 1941 saw a lack of trust in government. Today, even more so. Respect, honesty, trust, service, and integrity are rarely associated descriptions of government and government officials. Rather, descriptions such as distrust, deceitful, self-serving, shrewd, and wicked are common terminology and viewpoints regarding our government. How then shall America defend itself? Where is our hope? Take a listen and be amazed at how relevant the sermon, God is our defense, was then and still is today. 1941's Word of God preaches today as it did then in addressing real and important issues. And now, here is Speaker Emeritus of the Lutheran Hour, presently serving as a director of the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty in Washington, D.C., my husband, the Reverend Dr. Gregory Seltz. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Today is 
Defense Sunday. And therefore, this message is a defense message, but not the kind which certain congregations are featuring today and for which many pastors have received especially prepared sermon outlines. True churches of Christ do not need such reminders for their members' duty to defend our country and its liberties. It's a vital part of the Christian creed that we who accept the Lord Jesus follow his injunction, render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, obey his word, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, accept the Bible's instruction, be subject to principalities and powers, and submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Those who should receive these defense talk reminders are the groups in our country which have repeatedly opposed our system of government. The appeal for wholehearted endorsement of our military, naval, and air preparation should be sent to the Association for the Advancement of Atheism and like-minded infidels who are steadily undermining national foundations. The plea to work harder, longer, more intensely for the protection of the United States should be directed to the communists, many of whom are pledged to overthrow our American institutions. For unbelievers who reject the Bible and its repeated appeals for loyalty and allegiance to the constituted authorities are those above all others who need constant instruction in the duties of citizenship. So my remarks will differ from the opinions that some of you heard in your churches this very day, because this broadcast is dedicated to the truth that only in Jesus as the Son of God and Savior of mankind can our age and the millions in our country find sure defense. Men who do not know the Redeemer, who propagate a creed opposed to Christ, or who at best omit all mention of the Lord from the sermons they preach on this Sunday— They understand neither the greatest weakness of our nation nor the divine help to be found in Jesus and his word during these darkened days. Therefore, when military leaders, production experts, and government officials point to the increasing war clouds on the international horizon, the Christian churches should re-emphasize our responsibilities as citizens of this uniquely favored land, unparalleled in its divine blessing. But let Christian pulpits, in addition Call attention especially to the moral and religious dangers confronting us and the necessity of protecting our hearts, our homes, our national institutions against the assaults of unbelief. So when I speak to you on defense, I want to stress the side that many politicians forget in this crisis, America's need of a spiritual bulwark, the safeguarding of our souls. To that end... I give you this divine assurance for this present emergency. God is our defense. A pledge from the unbreakable Bible, the words of Psalm 62, verses 6 and 8, He is my defense, I shall not be moved. Trust in Him at all times. God is our best national defense. In a world of international greed and hatred, bloodshed, the United States should have a strong, complete defense. Is the earnest prayer of every American Christian that our country be adequately protected and made too strong for successful attacks by any foreign foe. 
This is in harmony with the Bible and its good common sense. The writers of the sacred scripture and the founding fathers were not pacifists and neither should we be. They never entertained the mistaken notion that the world was continually improving and that therefore it was unnecessary for us to have a strong military, strong naval forces, and neither should we. In a world aflame with the fire of war, stop short of protecting our homeland adequately. No sacrifice will be too great to shield our blessings. Those who love God know that he expects them to obey their government in everything, except in any proposal contrary to his revealed will. Christians of America have put their hard-earned savings into defense bonds. They have not created bottlenecks in defense work. They love this divinely endowed land, and they will work for it, save for it, fight for it, die for it. True followers of Christ are true patriots. They are like the mighty defender of spiritual liberty, Gustavus Adolphus, king of Sweden, who on the battlefield of Lutzen 309 years ago this very day helped seal modern religious freedom with his blood. Christian soldiers stood with Washington at Valley Forge. They fought and fell at Gettysburg. They lie buried in the Argonne Forest. And yesterday, St. Louis witnessed an impressive service commemorating the devotion of the first young man from our city to lay down his life during the present hostilities. And signalman Ralph Cloper of the ill-fated Reuben James, whom we thus mourned, was a member in good standing of our Lutheran Church. When a nation exalts God and heeds his word, its people can say in the certainty of our text, He is my defense, and be marvelously shielded by the Almighty's guidance. In 713 B.C., the trained armies of Sennacherib, a Syrian king, with regiment upon regiment of fully equipped veterans, came up to besiege Jerusalem. The city seemed doomed, but Hezekiah, The prophet Isaiah, the priests, and the leaders resorted to the house of God. They prayed earnestly for divine help, and they received his assurance, I will defend this city to save it. Despite overwhelming odds, Sennacherib was completely defeated when the angel of the Lord destroyed 185,000 Assyrians. Remember also how in past crisis moments of American history, during colonial times, the Revolution, the Civil War, our Heavenly Father answered the pleas of the masses by delivering our people from overwhelming enemies. God's promise, call upon me in the day of trouble, I will deliver thee. And these records combine to tell us that where the Lord is honored, the people can say, He is my defense and they can be comforted by the knowledge that ultimately his good, gracious purpose must prevail. A country, though, may be attacked not only from without by foreign foes, but also from within by even more formidable enemies. Destructive forces seeking to sap its strength and undermine its resistance can hew down the pillars which support freedom, blessing, prosperity, rest. Here they are these powerful but often unrecognized adversaries of a better America. National enemy number one, unbelief, rebellion against God. This rejection of the Almighty has no armies to oppose our military forces, no air squadrons for the bombing of our cities, no naval craft to shell our shores. 
but it has a satanic might more deadly than tanks, airplanes, and cruisers. A force that is not many miles distant, but a spiritual TNT at work now within our borders. The multitudes of Americans who have rejected Christ, his word, his church, the pride that boasts, we don't need God, the insolence which ridicules the Christian religion, the perjury, blasphemy, and profanity which desecrate God's holy name, the sarcasm heaped on the Almighty in literature, entertainment, often in everyday life. Altogether, then, the 50% of America that does not honor God, the ungrateful masses who will not find a moment to remember the Lord even on the two coming days of national thanksgiving, these constitute the most formidable danger to our country's welfare. The Almighty will not continue indefinitely to bless a people in which unbelief constantly grows bolder. The verdict of his word and of history is this, the nation that will not serve thee shall perish. And again, if they will not obey, I will utterly pluck up and destroy that nation, says the Lord. National enemy number two, godlessness and crime. Larger than any battalions which can invade us is the army of our past and present criminals, almost five million fellow Americans convicted and the many unconvicted of serious crime. Murder, assault, robbery, the heavy sins of violence and greed, the oppression of the poor and the underprivileged, the getting rich at the expense of widows and orphans, this can inflict more severe and lasting damage on the United States than any war. For the Holy Word warns, The Lord hath a controversy with the nations. He will give them that are wicked to the sword, says the Lord. And again, Behold, the eyes of the Lord God are upon the sinful kingdom, and I will destroy it from off the face of the earth. National enemy number three, corrupt government. Never before has our country witnessed graft, bribery, official dishonesty on the large scale this generation has produced. Judges conniving with criminals, law enforcement officials working hand-in-hand with the underworld, legislators selling their votes for patronage and expedience. All this lies over the land as a heavy shadow to forebode evil. For the eternal truth records that while judgment establishes the land, he that receiveth gifts overthrows it. And again, Scripture warns it's an abomination for those in authority to commit wickedness. National enemy number four, unfaithful churches. The studied insolence heaped against the Bible in thousands of American congregations, the rejection of Christ's vicarious atonement at ministerial training schools, where not a single faculty member accepts the inspiration of the Bible or the promises of the cross and the blood, the worldliness, the lip service, the form of godliness, even in sound churches. These are disasters far more grievous even than the loss of many a battle. The divine word protests, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. National enemy number five, immorality in the home. We record to our shame that the United States has more broken families than any other civilized nation excepting Russia. 
that unfaithfulness between husband and wife is increasing, that young people are constantly lured to break the purity commandment, the loose spirit in our age, the bad example by elders, the ridicule of decency, the spurning of parenthood, the disregard of childhood, all of these combine to form a menace of tremendous proportions. Hear this, no country can ever be stronger than its homes. To the extent which our American households crumble, a vast part of our moral foundations is destroyed. National enemy number six, anti-Christian education. This tragedy will be more deadly in the years ahead, when today's boys and girls will be tomorrow's fathers and mothers. If our youth is to be trained to be mentally cunning instead of spiritually good, if its education molds the brain but neglects the soul, if schools refuse to recognize sin and wrong, have no place for God and His grace in Christ, can you not see? Should this treachery toward our youth assume control of the American education system that the ship of our very state may slowly but surely be steered toward destruction on the rocky shoals of unbelief? National enemy number seven, the disregard of God's law and labor and industry. When on the one hand, radical elements direct American working men away from the Lord and his will, as the toiling classes are tempted to misuse for selfish interests the power which is theirs in united action, and when on the other hand, the moneyed groups help make the poor poorer, and in this day of rising prices, increasing living costs, refuse to share a greater part of their profit with workers, this double disregard of divine instruction may help to produce hard, bleeding days of internal strife and long-drawn class war. In short, America needs to be defended against itself. Some years ago, Sir Edward Arnold told the students at Harvard University, In 1776 and 1812, you conquered your fathers. From 1861 to 1865, you conquered your brothers. Your next victory must be over yourselves. He was right, and a conquest over these seven national dangers can be won only by a penitent return to God and His Word, by a widespread spiritual revival, which will bring masses to the atoning Christ and His divine protection. We must strengthen the nation from within and build its religious foundation firm and strong. Because no people can be weak with God on its side, the Christian cry then in this crisis hour should be, defend America by accepting Christ. Every man, woman, and child in the United States who acclaims Jesus as Savior and Sovereign can help bring divine protection on this land through personal prayer. If God was ready to spare degenerate Sodom and Gomorrah, provided they contained only ten righteous people, most assuredly he will regard with blessings multitudes which turn penitently to his grace. Beside every Christian with his regenerated life and his determination to follow the Savior's footsteps as far as humanly possible, that person adds to the country's moral strength, increases the righteousness which exalts a nation, and battles against the reproach of sin. No appeal to America in this international emergency is more vital than the plea of our text, which pointing to the gracious God urges, 
Trust in him at all times, you people. Look to Christ for the guidance, strength, and reliance that says he is our defense. Therefore, fortify America by keeping Christ Jesus in the churches built and dedicated to the glory of his name. Every Christian pastor who's seeking to please God rather than men avoids soft, Christless preaching and instead reveals God's whole truth, the punishment of his law, and the promise of our Savior's pardon. That person, that pastor, increases spiritual reserve. Defend America, then, by strengthening Christian homes. Husbands and wives who keep Jesus in their households as the honored guest, who train the children they bring into the world to be God-fearing, useful, law-abiding, patriotic citizens, they do more good than many frequently quoted and frequently married public figures. Defend America, then, by supporting Christian education, Colleges where the fear of the Lord is still the beginning of wisdom, where atheists and Christ deniers are banned from the faculty, and lower schools like those conducted by my church, but open to all, where children are instructed not only in the customary branches, but are daily taught also to love the Lord Jesus, to obey their parents, to thank God for America. These are powerful factors in the promotion of national good and the rejection of evil. Defend America by putting Christ's teachings into capital and labor. If the American working man, in conformity with God's word, gives honest, wholehearted return for his salary, rejects every recourse to violence and oppression, and does unto his employer as he would have the employer do unto him, if capital refuses to exploit the toilers but accepts the scriptural program of fair, upright treatment for the working classes, ours will be a stronger and a happier country. And finally, defend America by purifying its political life. Exercise your privilege and your responsibilities as citizens. Send men and women to the legislatures who cannot be bought, who refuse to connive with evil, and will stop the enactment of legislation contrary to the divine law. Give us patriots instead of politicians, Christian statesmen rather than partisan leaders, and America under God will be defended. Now, I do not say that if these principles were followed in our country, we would experience no national difficulty, no attacks from without or serious problems from within. For sometimes even then the Almighty sends reverses to make a people spiritually and morally stronger. But I am equally confident that if multiplied millions of Americans look to the Lord in Christ and say, He is our defense, our Heavenly Father will powerfully, and even if necessary, miraculously, protect and bless us. To that end, may God richly bless us all. Please pray with me. Holy Spirit, our comforter and sustainer, Many powerful enemies have been mobilized against the nation and the church. From both without and within of our own lives, we feel the attack of dark, hateful forces, which oppose the free and full grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Forgive us, we beseech thee, for the Savior's sake, our many disloyalties, our repeated sins against him in whom alone there is heavenly hope. If in our own strength we seek to resist the foes of the faith, We're lost. 
for with might of ours cannot be done. But be thou, O blessed Spirit, together with the Father and the Son, our shield and protection against the onslaughts of hell, the assaults of our own conscience, and the enticement of a sinful world. Show us that our victory is granted by our trust in the power of the cross. Defend our blessed homeland against all adversaries, the menace of unbelief, rejection of divine grace, and destructive godlessness. Thou art our defense. Help us then. For Jesus' sake, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. To get to know our LCRLDC work better, check out our website at lcrlfreedom.org. Till next time, God bless you always. I'm Greg Sells. Have a great week. You've been listening to Liberty Action Alert with Greg Seltz, Executive Director of the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty in Washington, D.C. This program has been brought to you by the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty. 